Hello, and thanks for listening to Beekeeper Confidential. I'm your host, Mandy, and today we're going to be talking about how to get your bees nice and plump for the long winter months. Join me and Bill Catherall in the kitchen as we prepare pollen patties. are making pollen patties with Bill, yeah. producer and star of the Bee Vlog. Yeah. <laughs> I asked Bill what was going on with the Bee Vlog. It's a YouTube channel that he started four years ago and has gained over 14,000 subscribers. He's posted almost 200 videos about honey harvesting, observation hives, wasp nests, installing packages, books, swarms, cutouts, you name it. And though he hasn't had the time lately to put out any new episodes, he says he may come out with one every once in a while. So if you haven't already, check it out. It's on YouTube, The Bee Vlog, starring Bill Catherall. Hello, welcome to The Bee Vlog. So this is Ultra Bee Powder. comes from Man Lake, and it's supposed to be the best pollen substitute on the market. And it's not suitable for human consumption. I was just so, going to ask. <laughs> right. You can't add it to your own diet. <clears throat> it says so on the package. It says, do not consume. This is for bees only. My dog ate some and she turned into a bee. Well, it's very pretty. Yeah. And it looks like it stains. I don't know. I got some of my fingers. They're not yellow. Um, but it, it's like everything it touches has a fine yellow powder all over it. If CoverGirl made a shade for an Oompa Loompa, this would probably be it. <laughs> or, um, well, I hesitate to say. A Trump shade, maybe? <laughs> Just the secret to his orange. Fake news. <laughs> All right. So what do we need to do? So we have our sugar syrup. Yeah, so I made up some two-to-one sugar syrup last night. The... Recipe calls for three and a half cups of Ultra B and two and a half cups of syrup. And then you mix it into kind of a brownie paste and then let it soak overnight. You, then you form it into patties between sheets of wax paper the next day. And you can refrigerate it to help stiffen up the patties so they're easier to handle. But don't freeze them because the bees don't like it after it's frozen, I guess, is what I've been told. It like changes the flavor. <clears throat> they don't like freeze or burn. Right. Yeah, that could be it. So this batter looks like a butterscotch cake mix. Yeah, pretty much. That's a good description. It's a little bit like a really bad baby diaper. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is always said. You're not a real man until you can change a baby diaper and then go back and eat a peanut butter sandwich. Oh, yeah. How would you describe the smell of this stuff? It's not super sweet. It's earthy. Yeah, earthy. A little bit bland. Um, Since you made the peanut butter reference, I do, like, the one that has the sugar syrup mixed into it does smell a little bit peanut butter-esque. Oh, yeah. It's like... Kind of nutty. Yeah. Okay, so just to review, that is three and a half cups of Ultra B powder and two and a half cups of two-to-one sugar syrup. So the bees need the extra protein to help them 
raise yeah the nurse raise bees. the next generation of bees that will go into winter exactly yeah the nurse bees consume the protein and that helps them to develop brood food basically but they also do feed part protein and part honey to the brood but they're not going to store this they don't they store this eat yeah this up. yeah they'll consume it right away Bees need to consume protein in their first five to six days of their life. It helps to develop their hypopharyngeal glands, which produce royal jelly. Royal jelly is just part of the brood food that gets fed to young larvae as it's developing. Have you ever fed pollen patties before? No. And I think that's why I've been having problems getting my nukes to overwinter. They just don't have the strength. Because they have sickly winter bees. So I'm trying to fatten them up nice and fat this year. The ideal time here in the Pacific Northwest to start feeding pollen supplements to your bees as they go into fall is September. Those are the nurse bees that are going to be raising the fat winter bees that will live in the colony during the winter months. So you want to make sure that your nurse bees at this time have enough nutrition to be healthy enough to raise healthy larvae. I have one nuke that is just small. They were a, so one of my hives swarmed and I went through it and found extra queen cells and split them off into a nuke. The queen successfully mated, but the workforce was shrinking for some reason. Hmm. And Do you think uh, it's just older bees when you made up the nuke? Possibly, just... yeah. And there, it was a very small cluster of nurse bees. So I gave them a frame of capped brood, and that seemed to help boost the population. So they're doing better, but I just want to help them make more bees because they should be brooding down right now as a natural cycle, and I want them to do the opposite. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I just started feeding one-to-one syrup as a stimulant to get the queen to lay more and get them to draw more comb because they do have some areas that they need more comb. Yeah. And I'll be giving them this pollen patties to keep them healthy and fat for uh, raising bees. And then in about another month or two, I'll switch the feed over to two to one syrup so they can start storing that away for the winter. What are some symptoms (laughs) that a beekeeper can look for if they have a, a small colony that's not really taking off? Are there symptoms other than failure to thrive? that they could look for to see if maybe their bees need some more nutrition? You can look at the laying pattern of the queen and to see if it's maybe a problem with the queen. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a spotty brood pattern, then it could be that either they have parasitic mite syndrome or maybe the queen is not well mated. In the case of this little nuke, the, there um, really wasn't enough nurse bees to cover the brood. So the laying area was very small. She had maybe a five-inch diameter nest so it was really small nest area so in that case it's hard to really look at a pattern because there's not enough space for there to be a noticeable pattern yeah but you know there were eggs and open brood and just not (laughs) enough space for the for the queen to lay really because she can only lay in an area that the nurse bees can cover another indication to look for if your colony might need some extra nutrition is take a look at the larvae Is it dry or is it swimming in a nice pool of milky royal jelly? If it looks a little on the dry side, that's a sign that your nurse bees maybe need a little bit of help. But I've been playing around with keeping native bees this year. Mason bees and leafcutter bees. I just got some leafcutter bee cocoons 
and set them out. I don't think they've emerged yet. You know, I've had leaf cutter bees, and when I first started with them, I tried to put them in the tubes and had the little house set up, and they never reused it. But I've seen them in my yard each year, so I know they're they're nesting somewhere. They found yeah. some spot where they can nest. And this year, I got some more cocoons from a friend. And I'm seeing a lot of them out, but for the first time, I'm seeing territorial behavior oh, wow. them on flowers, <clears throat> kind of like wool carters, huh. how they'll, they'll dive bomb each other if they want that plant all to themselves. <laughs> but I've never seen that from leaf cutters before. Wool carter bees are these bullish little black and yellow bees. They kind of look like yellow jackets if you're not looking at them very closely. And you can find them usually on flowers like foxglove or lamb's ears. They like the really fuzzy plants because they actually pull the plant fibers off of the plant and then they take it back to their nest and make little tiny fuzzy knitted baby bee swaddles. It's really cute. In addition to keeping bees, you also keep chickens. Keep chickens, yep. Which came first, the chicken or the bee? <laughs> the chickens. Well, actually, I started learning about bees, and then we got the chickens, and then I got the bees. So the, the desire for bees came first. I have wanted chickens for eight years. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet, but I still want to do it, and I'll let you know if it happens. It was just out there feeding the chickens this morning and just about bumped heads with a bumblebee that was trying to get to the blackberries that were on the side yard. Yeah, it's funny. I, I leave space in my yard for bumblebees to nest, and they never do. Yeah, I put out, uh, I tried to put out a nest, a bumblebee nest, but it didn't take. No bumblebee moved in. I asked Bill, in all of his experience, what irks beekeepers the most? What gets them the most riled up over any other topic? Treatment versus non-treatment, I think, is the number one hotly debated topic where you've got beekeepers on both sides fighting. <laughs> and then there's people in the middle who really don't want to fight but just want to figure out whatever's best and are open to anything. Ultimately, we all want to do what's best for the bees. We just have varying ways of getting there. Have you always been treatment-free? Yeah, I've, I've always been treatment-free in the sense that I don't treat with any chemicals or non-natural interventions, I guess. Mm -hmm. I do have interventions, and I do mechanical, what you might consider mechanical treatments. A screen bottom board, I've tried those. That's not natural in a hive, so uh, I guess you could call that a treatment, even though I'm not, I'm not really doing anything other than changing the way the hive is designed. They don't seem to work well as a treatment against mites. It does seem to help with ventilation, although I'm not sure ventilation is important yet <laughs> yeah i i kind of i want the higher humidity yeah there's a lot of science that indicates heat and humidity is beneficial to the bees and non-beneficial to the mites and then there's a lot of people who keep talking about ventilation and i think some people take ventilation too far where they're creating a drafty hive and there's a difference between just letting a hive vent and creating a draft of air through the hive i think that that's not really what's in what's meant by ventilation right you don't want to have the airflow yeah if the bees want to ventilate and create an airflow they can do that they have their built-in fans that they can turn on <laughs> and create drafts as needed but um 
Do you think sometimes people, they'll see their bees bearding on the front of the hive and they'll get that moment of panic where I have to do something, they're too hot, I have to open up the lid or I have to prop the lid open? Yeah, there's that. And the funny thing is the bees like to have the nest pretty hot. You know, it'll be 95 degrees outside and we're dying, we're sweating, but that's the ideal temperature for the nest. They don't need it 60 degrees like we like keep our house. But also other, I guess, treatments that I do are um, splitting in the summer. I'm trying to do um, more of that and that creates a brood break. I've been, the past couple of years, I've been splitting the hives in July and then overwintering nukes. And the idea behind it, I think, works. I just haven't been able to do it well yet. And I think the key is nutrition. So I'm hoping that these pollen patties will be the secret weapon in my arsenal for <laughs> late summer splits. Yeah. When doing summer splits, be sure not to do it too late in the season. You want to make sure that there are still plenty of drones flying around in the drone zone for your queen to mate with. Otherwise, you can always purchase a mated queen from a local breeder. Would you do just five frame nooks or would you just cut a 10 frame laying in half and do a, a one deep and one deep? So I don't use deep boxes. I use all mediums. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So when I make a split, uh, I like to have it's um, five over five. So I use my five frame nukes, but two boxes mm -hmm. since they're medium depth. I may start the split off with just one box so that I can monitor the brood nest and the queen and then i'll add another box and let them fill that with honey could you overwinter a 10 frame medium just one box possibly too, to me it seems like it's too flat too spread out yeah I, I think so too and and they would probably end up starving because they can't get to the honey yeah the honey would be on both sides of the nest and they're going to move one way and they'll leave behind all the honey that's on the other side of the nest and not get back to it. So that would be a problem. That's why I prefer the vertical orientation. For for a top bar hive, you ideally want to have all the honey on one side of the nest yeah. so that when they move that one direction during the winter, they'll get to all the honey. But in a Langstroth, you don't have... Usually there's honey on both sides and you can't really push the nest one way or the other without getting in and manipulating things. Mm -hmm. I try to do as little manipulation as possible. So having a vertical orientation with the honey above just seems more natural compared to like a tree or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Or the bees. They can move up into the honey easier than they can move sideways to it. I got a wari hive this year and they've filled up two boxes already and I just added a third but the box is just there's so much smaller than the Langstroth and it does seem more tree-like and it's more narrow. They would very easily be able to just move up during the winter. One of the topics that we recently covered at a meeting at our local beekeeper association, Portland Urban Beekeepers, was the use of a queen cage, essentially caging the queen for a period of 14 to 21 days to increase the efficacy of varroa mite treatments at the end of the caging period. I can see the, the queen caging brood break as a, a really good method for backyard beekeepers to use. And creating a brood break with a split is difficult and tricky and one of the hives doesn't get a brood break. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I keep thinking about is caging the queen for that 14 to 21 days. What does that do to her? Doesn't she have to gulp? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Does her she... ovaries are developing eggs, whether she yeah. lays them out or so not. So does she? Can she get backed up? I don't know. I don't know if she'll just lay eggs and then the workers consume them. If she just oh, drops the eggs yeah. and then they're not in a cell and the workers just take, discard them. Wow, yeah. Or or what. But that it doesn't have any ill effect and she's ready to go and they brood up really rapidly right after. So I guess it doesn't hurt her. As long as she's, I, I think if she's freshly mated, it would probably do some harm because then her ovaries don't develop properly. If yeah. she doesn't get an opportunity to start laying. Because you don't want to cage a queen that is freshly mated for a too long of a period. A couple days is fine, but two weeks would be too long for a new queen. Um, but if if she's maybe a year old, or even a few months old, it'd probably be fine, I guess. You have to try it and see. In case you were wondering what all that tweeting was, it was Bill's cockatiels, Buddy and Hunter. Yeah, we have two cockatiels. Aww. One of them is um, hand-friendly, likes to be held. So the nice. other one hates people. God is a rescue. He's much older than this one and he wasn't really held much mm -hmm. and his previous owner passed away and then the family didn't want to keep it so put it up. We got him but he because he was just kept in a cage his whole life he didn't really ever get used to being held and he hates being held. But did the two of them get along okay? Well this guy here his name is Hunter. The other one Buddy. Hunter loves Buddy. Buddy hates Hunter. <laughs> so it's it's awkward when Hunter wants to play with Buddy and Buddy wants to have nothing to do yeah. with him. Want to make any more? Gosh, um, I don't know. Do you think this is enough? I think that'll make a lot of patties. Okay, yeah. we can always that make more. Awesome. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can always come back and make more. I did end up inviting myself back for more patties. It's true. My bees love them. So let it sit overnight and yeah. harden up a little bit. I think it's just, I don't know if it will stiffen up more, but it, it will help to moisturize the, the um, powder okay. more. So it shouldn't be as goopy and runny after it's had some time to... I don't know. I don't think it will get thicker. And then... But it will be thicker when you refrigerate it. It will stiffen up a little bit okay. to make it easier to handle the patties. Um, but I'm sure that once they, the patties get warm again, they probably get gooey again. So I've got four Ziploc sandwich-sized bags here. How many patties do you think this will make? I'm guessing each bag will make maybe three patties. Okay. So you'll sandwich, the, you'll roll it out between two sheets of wax paper mm -hmm. to make your patties. And the wax paper just helps to keep it from drying out. And the bees will chew through it. You'll want to, <clears throat> before installing it in the hive, you'll use a knife or your hive tool or something to make slits mm -hmm. in the wax paper on one side. And then put it slit side down over the brood nest, Okay. over the bars. If you're feeding a top bar, you can probably just lay it on the bottom of the hive under the brood nest Yeah. with the slits up. The slits just help the bees get to the patty easier so they can start chewing through the wax paper. When it's gone, replace it. Right. And hopefully you'll see discarded bits of wax paper out the front of the hive and then you know that they're, you're using it. So if it's been in there for like four days and they haven't touched it, they either don't need it or they don't want it. There's something about it they don't like. But I would imagine they would do something with it, yeah. even if they're just throwing it away. Yeah. <laughs> so if you have a big orange pile of peanut butter poo in front of your hive, it means they don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and this, yeah, you're right. This is a, also kind of a, the color of bee poo. Yeah, totally. It's like a giant bag of bee poo. <laughs>
Thanks everyone for tuning in today. I'll be putting notes from today's episode up on my blog at waggleworkspdx.com. I'd like to take a moment and give a special shout out to all the bees in my hive that make these passion projects possible. Thank you for all the support and love that you give me. It allows me to be free as a bee. Until next time. Bzzz.